you know, no one's posting a picture on Instagram of the race where they like tried really hard but got 90th. You right. Know? Like that's not the one in the <laughs> highlight reel, you know? Like, right, right, right. That, that's not hitting Snapchat. That's right. not going on Instagram. You right. can't post a picture of process. Right. right. Like, so that's, I think that totally inhibits um, our, the ability to focus on process and also is this huge, um, like, gasoline on the fire of this other problem that we're talking about. Wow, that is such Okay. Hi, folks, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I'm Dr. John Duffy. I am your host, and I appreciate you protecting a little time for us once again here today. Um, I am very excited to introduce you to my guest today, Alex Lyons. Alex, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. Um, Alex is a high school cross-country and track coach and an English teacher, and um, and I think we're going to have a really interesting discussion. I've been wanting to talk to a coach on this podcast for um, for the full year um, since we started. So um, we'll we'll kind of just exchange some ideas here and see yeah. where we go, Alex. Um, so. First of all, how did you decide, just just a little bit about you, how did you decide this is what you wanted to do? The coaching specifically? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think I have a pretty typical trajectory to this a little bit. Like, I knew when I was in high school that I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Right. right? And if you were going to be in high school, like, for sure I wanted to coach and stay around the sport. I didn't really have any conception about what that necessarily meant. I just knew that, like, oh, if I was a coach, then I could, like, keep hanging out with the cross-country team, and that would be fun. Right, right. right. Um, and you enjoyed that when you were a runner yeah, yourself, right? Yeah, it was yep. awesome. It was uh, – that was probably, like, the best part of my high school experience. It was really, really cool. Yeah. And uh, I knew that I didn't want that to go away when I was done with high school and college. Right. So um, in, in college, I had um, – Sort of, I had a situation where like I transferred schools halfway through my college career, and uh, I found myself sort of there was a, a coaching change during my transfer, and I basically ended up with that. I lost my roster spot on this new school that I transferred to. Got it. And so I kind of had to figure out like, well, I'm 20 years old. I got to figure out how to coach myself. So I started doing actual studying into coaching and like what involved and the the training and everything. And I think. I think this is pretty common with a, with a lot of coaches, certainly lots of my friends who are coaches, where they had athletic careers that did not match what they thought they were able to do, mm. right? And so you have this narrative of like, oh, if I just work really hard, I'm going to do all this stuff. And then if right. I work harder, I'm going to do even more cool stuff. And it's going to be great. And then it doesn't happen. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And so... <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to achieve, you yeah, know, some kind of right. superiority. Like there's a, there's here, right? a hole in the system here. Yes, so, right. So I started reading, and I it, it was like... I got totally hooked, right? Because suddenly I figured out there were all these ingredients that went into performance that I didn't know about. And so it started very selfishly. Like, I just wanted to run faster, uh-huh. you know? And then you ended up kind of, I kind of got hooked on, like, what makes people good at stuff and how these things work. Right. And uh, that's when it went from me being like, oh, coaching would be fun to, like, this is what I want to do, for sure. This is something I'm fascinated by because yeah. um, you and I have talked before, and I'm always interested when we talk about, you know, the dimensions of coaching because yeah. I think a lot of us um, from the sidelines, you know, who've had kids who are athletes or, right. you know, just watching, you know, um, you know uh, the the Warriors play or the Cubs, Um, we we have these ideas of what goes into coaching, how to draw good performances out of people. Um, And you work with a a population that I have a particular kinship for. You know, we we both have this affinity for these teenagers who, um, 
what what do you think the primary ingredient is if you can if you can distill it down to something that kind of brings out the best in a kid and and maybe that's not even the best performance but just the best person in a kid you know because yeah. i know there's more to coaching than just like we're going to win state or we're going to you know beat right. you know we're we're going to beat Hinsdale or whatever yeah. you know so man that's that's really hard so so one thing that i feel like like the foundational this has to be there for a kid to get the most out of their athletic experience or whatever yeah um i don't know i mean it, this is you you would probably get the same answer from most coaches that you ask but i feel like they have to have a relationship with you that is not attached to their performance in any way. I think that's the most important thing. They're like, they have to understand that their value to you and the team is separate from how well they race or hit the baseball or whatever the, the skill is. It seems like such a critical point because the slowest kid on your team right. has to know she's valued. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and that's super hard. Like, I think it's important for me to say this up front that, like, I've been, I haven't been a head coach for very long, and right. I've, I've only been coaching in total for, I guess this will be six years, which is not a super long time. Right. I don't, I haven't, I don't have this figured out yet. Like, it's something I think about all the time is, like, how do I make kid 180 on the roster feel like they're important and that they're, you know, they're, they're valuable to the team, even if they're not necessarily, like, tearing it up when when there's a competition. It, it's not linear, is it? Because I'm thinking, yeah. like, you know, um, it's got to be different coaching um, number one and number two in terms of speed versus 180, you know, um, yeah. how do you, how do you vary up the approach? Um, I mean, it, it is different and it's not different. Like I think that the, certainly the physical pieces that go into it, like what you would assign and what's appropriate, it's, it's totally different. Right. Right. I think, um, but fundamentally what you're trying to do with both groups is to give them a taste of momentum and success, right? So you're trying to figure out like what certainly like what's physiologically appropriate to assign in terms of training, but then also like where do I know they're going to be able to build psychological momentum? Um, yeah. That's a I stole that phrase from John O'Malley, who's the coach at, at Sandberg. Yeah, and he says like certainly you want kids to be training better as the year goes, but you have to like momentum is orchestrated like it's things you build into your program so the kids can see progress at the right times and feel like their effort is is creating something worthwhile i i love that phrase because it feels like wins right i when i yeah. sit when i sit across from a kid i always think like that that's what i want them to have especially if they feel defeated or discouraged in some ways and oftentimes they do yeah. um, I love the idea of psychological momentum it also you and I were talking earlier about process versus outcome and sure. uh, you know uh, that adolescent mind and oftentimes our adult minds are very tied to outcomes right I want to win the thing you know right. I want that I want to hold hoist the trophy right. um, as opposed to Oh, I did a little better today than I did yesterday. I, I created a little psychological momentum. It, it's probably not the easiest um, idea for a 16-year-old girl to wrap her brain around um, yeah. over the win. You know what I mean? Um, so is, is getting them to think that way, is it, is it tricky? Or do you find like, no, kids are really intuitive and they fall right into that way of thinking? Uh, no, they definitely do not fall right into that way of thinking, right? I, if, if, I would love, if you find a person who has fallen directly into that way of thinking, like, make them stand still so I can come talk to them for a while. Like, I've never met anybody like that. Right, right. right. Um, and I think that, I also don't 
blame them for that. Like, I, I don't think like that, right? I think right. everybody everybody has this natural attachment to outcome bias because, like, that's the message that you're inundated with on a regular basis, right? This so is I true. Think it's that, cultural. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I for sure think it's the former, right? It's this very tricky thing that you have to revisit constantly. Right. And it has to be super deliberate and it has to be part of your language of practice and it has to be part of your goal setting sessions. Um, and I think there's a lot of coaches that, that do these kinds of things that I've tried to steal stuff from that I think is cool. But, uh, yeah, I can, can I, can I turn that around on you? Like if you're trying to help a kid right. build, build a sense of process versus outcome, like, are there, I don't know, like, are there heuristics or ways of thinking about that that you sort of lean on? I, I think I try to do exactly what the Sandberg coach has suggested, you know, to create um, opportunities for movement. So if I'm sitting across from somebody who is a D student who never does homework, right. um, the uh, the metric can't be, I expect you to get straight A's. And then we can say we finally arrived somewhere, you know, um, because that's not going to happen. So the win sometimes is, hey, um, would you... Would you do ten minutes of homework a night and text me when huh. when it's done? Yeah. You can text me a picture of it. So and and this is where texting becomes really handy sometimes yeah, because sure. uh-huh. kids kind of get into stuff like this, you right. know. And and um and there there's a point of pride, and it might be something they experience kind of for the first time, and that that idea like hmm. I feel pretty good about having done that, you yeah. know? And then you generate a little momentum and it becomes yeah. uh, self-perpetuating as opposed to um, this idea that a lot of parents carry where it's like, you know, I'll give you a, a hundred bucks for every A. You know, like I'm, I'm working with a lot right. of that right now, yeah, sure. um, which is so outcome-oriented right. that it, it literally never works. Um, there's a yeah. story I used to tell, but, this then, but it's a real story yeah. um, where... Uh, I, I was working with a C student, okay. and the dad, in the middle of a semester, so we're, we're two months in already, um, said, if you get A's and B's, I will buy you a car. Wow. And so, you know, so my thinking went haywire, and I, and I literally, like, after I kicked dad out of the room, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking outcome. Yeah, I'm right. thinking, like, dude, kid, come on. Now, right. you've got a car hanging in the balance. You've got to get the A's and B's. Yeah. Didn't work. You know, it just didn't happen because there was no progression and there was no built-in win. Mm-hmm. And so there was, you know, I, I think there was energy behind that effort for a day or two, right. and then there was discouragement. So you doesn't, know? The kid doesn't think they can make that kind of a jump. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, um, and and the jump is, um, it's it's so not in their wheelhouse at that point, right? right. You know, uh, working isn't yeah. in their wheelhouse. So you know, I, I think you have to find little wins to reward. A lot like what you're talking about. Um, I can imagine um, in your English class to shift gears a little bit here yeah. um, that you know if you have somebody who just doesn't read the book, right. if they do the reading one night and turn in some, you know. Uh, essay on it that isn't perfect yeah there's got to be a little like nod to the reading yeah yeah yeah, for sure i think uh 
Well, and this was something I think I was pretty bad at this when I first started teaching because mm-hmm. I was like, well, you're just you're just doing the freaking thing that everybody's supposed to do. Like, why am I? You, what you want me? You want a sticker? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. you're gonna, and you're right. a te- you're you're, you're a nearly yeah, a grown you're a person. Kid. Yeah, like, come of on. Of course, you read the book. Great stuff. Like, I don't have a cookie for you. You know, like that was my that was my original bias, which I don't think that works. Right. right. It's not helpful to withhold the cookies. So right. um, there was this guy that I taught with at, at Downers North named Chris McGrath, and he's the head wrestling coach there. Okay. And he's like a very kind of old school, hard ass type of coach. Yeah. But one of the most important that he spent a bunch of time answering my questions. We had lunch together every day, which was which was cool. And he said, uh, he's like, when a kid who is not maybe performing to the degree that you think they're capable of or whatever, when they have a small win of any kind, mm-hmm. you have to celebrate the hell out of it. So I've, I, I am not exaggerating. I've literally seen him running around his classroom, like with his hands above his head, like he won the lottery or something when a kid turned into homework assignment <laughs> or things like that. And he is, um, anyone who knows this guy, like he's the first person who will call a kid out if they're not doing that. But as soon as that shifts a little bit in one direction, uh-huh. he's like their biggest fan in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do you find like that kind of playfulness, yeah. you know, that, uh, the, 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 um, I, I find that like the, the more clinical I am with, with a teenager, yeah. the further removed, the, the, the further the couch seems from my chair, <laughs> you yeah, know, right. uh, yeah. there's a wall between us. Totally. And if I'm willing to talk about Kanye or, you know, um, or Snapchat or something that's going on in their world and kind of get into that with them, get Mm -hmm. my hands dirty a little bit with them in their world. I find like, okay, then, then I've got a shot. Doesn't mean I've got them, but I've got a shot. Um, does that translate into your work in in any discernible way? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, the, the first thing that you asked, right, was that, um, that like, what's the, what's the thing that has to be in place for a kid to be successful? Yeah. And I think the, the, stuff you're describing has a lot to do with your relationship with the kid, right? That if they if they understand that even in a playful way, like first of all, if you're fun, that helps. Right. right. And uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure that helps kids become more comfortable, et cetera. But I also think if you're joking or interacting them interacting with them around things that are a part of their world, like then you value those things and right. you acknowledge that these are important to them and you're they're worth getting to know. Mm-hmm. Even though it doesn't feel like the super serious way of doing that, I think that's yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure yet what my question is here, but you know, um, my my son was was an athlete at, at the school where you where you work, um, sure. and um, and I've known many many kids who were, and I've worked with many many kids who weren't, and there's something about being on a team, be, being part of athletics that feels to me like it kind of inoculates kids from some of the trouble that they could run into otherwise. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think about this frequently because it's, I, I like when kids are involved, you know, if kids right. are in a play or if they are in a group or a club, um, yeah. you know, if they're musical, all of that. But there's something about athletics specifically yeah. that, um, that I'm drawn to with any kid. If I can get a kid, I know that if I can get a kid moving, yeah. Um, especially if there's a, a, a structure around that and there's right. a caring adult behind that, yeah. I always feel like, mm, I think this kid is less likely to be on this couch for a very long time. Okay. Um, do you think there's any veracity to that? Like, do you th- or, or do you think I'm kind of making something up here? Because it feels to me like kids who are engaged athletically yeah. um, are less likely to carry... Uh, kind of the ennui, the depression, the anxiety uh, that 
colors so much of adolescence. Huh. Yeah, I, I certainly hope that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it. I think it's situational. I think um, depending on the program, it can help a lot. Right. I think sometimes it can create as many issues as it resolves. Right. So maybe you're checking off five things, but you're opening up like four or five more doors that are right. complicated. Um, so I'm sure like the individual program and the culture and stuff has something to do with it. But yeah, I'm, I think there are things behind that. I mean, the, we, we've talked about this before that like um, there's a, a coach that has this expression when you're trying to explain why a kid ran a bad race. Yeah. He's like, it's never just one thing unless the kid got hit by a truck. Right, like, <laughs> right, right. If right. the kid got hit by a truck, it's one thing. Kid got hit by a truck. Yeah. Right? But in general, the more likely scenario is that there's five, six, or seven small compounding variables that together create this effect. And that's probably, that's probably how the thing you're describing works, right? That yeah. I think there's, I mean, to, to name a couple, I guess, you immediately have a social structure, right? That I remember when I was a freshman in high school, like I joined the cross country team and suddenly I had friends with cars who would drive me to practice. Like this was amazing. There were juniors and seniors that knew my name. Like that's a cool thing when you're 14. What a great thing. And especially cross country in particular, just pragmatically because it's, you, you start before you're, you walk into yeah. school the first day, right? Right. And yeah. that's, that's how most fall sports are, right? So the football team, like all these people who are in a fall sport, typically you have a little bit of a foothold before yeah. you're thrown into this 4,000-kid ocean. Right, right. Right. So it's I think that definitely helps. Um, I think the other thing is that it's a, a lot of sports have very quantifiable metrics of progress, right? So that thing that you were talking about, about creating little wins, I think that's easier to do in athletics than maybe sometimes in academics because it's easier to measure sometimes. Like, right. uh, oh, I can, I'm a, if you, your kid's a pitcher, right? And right. like he works really hard, like now I can throw 60 instead of 55 or whatever, you know, depending on how old he is. Right. Or, uh, you know, I can run 10 seconds faster per mile for three miles. Like those things, you're, it, you, they look you in the face a little bit more in athletics and suddenly you see this really close correlation between like, oh, I've invested in something and it's it's working, like I know it's working. Yeah, and, and as a coach, do, do you, um, is it important to make note of that? Is it important to say, hey, you, you trimmed 10 seconds off your time, way to go. Yeah, I think you have to inundate them with that, like yeah. as much as possible. Um, we do this thing, this was in place when I got there and it's just that something that I've continued where uh, we have these charts that have every kid's, the time and then the pace they've averaged for every meet the whole season. And after every meet, we tape that up so you can all look at it. Got it. Um, and then we do the thing like at, if they've raced Saturday, the Monday after that race, each coach will pick a couple kids to acknowledge that have made some sort of significant leap. And that doesn't necessarily, sometimes that's the best kids, but it's often not. And it's just a kid who is either, maybe they cut a huge chunk of time or um, this was a course that they are super afraid of and they've had trouble with, but they ran a really good race on it. Right. Uh, maybe they did something like uh, they helped out a teammate in a really important or tangible way. But creating opportunities to publicly acknowledge that kind of thing I yeah. think is useful. Well, and I love the idea that it's not always the fastest kids, right? right. So, so it's somebody who's just trimmed some time, and that could be one of the slower kids or one of the somebody in the middle of the pack, huh? Right. Um, when I think about I, when I, when my son was young, you yeah. know, five six something like that, I coached his soccer team, yeah. knowing absolutely nothing about the sport, sure. <laughs> um, cool. and you know we were happy if they were going the right way yeah. and you know, like yeah, <laughs> and going toward the right goal, right. Yeah. standing up, you know, yeah. facing the right Everybody way, um, yeah. and and um, the. And then I coached his basketball team a little bit later. Yeah. And I remember my biggest struggle 
was finding ways to motivate the unmotivated kid, even yeah. if he was a talented kid. For you sure. know, um, any thoughts on? I mean, it's funny. Yeah. I, I think our our um, paths. Uh, uh, professionally probably cross in so many ways because Absolutely. I'm dying to know yeah. the answer to this because it yeah. probably will inform my work as well. <laughs> um, that's how I feel also. I think, uh, I, I don't know. This is something that we've talked about, like my friends that are coaches and I talk about this a lot. Uh, just earlier this week, one of my buddies was talking about, um, he wants to know how you move a kid from the mindset of being a participant to being a competitor is how yeah. he phrase it. Like, how do you go from like, I'm happy to be on the team to I really want to win. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's not exactly the same question as you asked, but I think they're they're related. It's pretty close, yeah. Um, they're similar. I mean, the short answer is I don't freaking know, right? Like I'm trying to figure it out just like you are. <laughs> right, but I think, of course. I think the like my emotional response to like how do you motivate a kid is I get really uncomfortable with that question. Like I don't know if it's the right question. Um, the idea of like trying to externally motivate somebody to run really hard for three miles seems like a terrible idea to me. Like they would hate that, right? Boy, amen um, to that. Yes. So I don't really know. Like other than certainly, I think the factor of creating small wins is attached to this. Like I don't. Th- I think what's motivating for a kid is to see like agency and progress, right? Like I can, I can. The the coolest thing that ever happens as a coach is when you see a kid do something that they thought was beyond their scope of possibility, right? Yeah. Like, this is more than I thought I was capable of. Right. right. But very rarely do you go from there, like, from start to there in, like, one or two steps. Right, sure. Right. So I think that if I'm, I'm picturing sort of a stereotypical kid who is happy to be on the team and doesn't necessarily want to race, you know, they're not necessarily all in. Like yep. They're just kind of a member of the roster. Got it. Yep. It, it would be really hard for me to go up to that kid and be like, listen, you need to train really hard so that next week, instead of getting 230th at this invite, you might get 218th, and that's going to be awesome, right? Like, what what's the freaking difference to them between no finishing 230th and 200? Like, they're still getting killed, right? Yeah, like, how right. am I going to sell that? Right. I'm at the bottom of the pack, coach, right. either way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's maybe that's why they're not initially predisposed to being competitors is they feel like, well, what am I doing here? Yeah. Right? Um, I think it's a much harder question to answer when that kid's really, really good, right? Like if they clearly have a ton of physical ability right. and they don't necessarily care that much, um, I think those are two different approaches and two different like problems you're trying to solve. That second problem sounds particularly frustrating, right? Yeah. So here you've got somebody who's talented. Um, you, you are part of this sport um, right. and it matters to you. Right. Um, it, it, I can only imagine mm-hmm. how frustrating it must be yeah. to have have a, have a, an athlete who right. isn't willing to leave it all out there, yeah. knowing like, boy, if she did, right. she'd be a superstar. Yeah, I think it is. It is complicated. I think the the first issue, like the kid who's trying, who's in two hundred thirtieth, I think that you it is easier to address because you're just talking about like, let's see how much faster you can run. Right. Yeah. When when those kids start training consistently and you're able to highlight their progress. I think they do get a little bit hooked. Like they're and practically speaking, there's room, right? The, yeah. Whereas if you're at the top, there's only so much room for improvement, right. and right. sometimes you you might race slower. Sure. Whereas if you get if you can get a, a kid in the two hundreds to race, right. just push a little bit harder. Yeah. They're going to see some maybe significant Huge. shifts, right? Yeah. Like they're the ceiling is is really far away. Like they have a lot of space yep. to improve, and I think that when they start seeing that happening, and when it gets them. Um, social capital, I guess, like when they're acknowledged in front of the group for something that they did really cool. And 
even more because if that's if if they think that you're working on their head by doing that, it won't work. Right. Right. Like I think that only works if it's in the context of they have a relationship with their coaches and their teammates every day. Then these people clearly like on a small, consistent basis care about their progress. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then it works sort of as a like an ancillary element to that. Got it. Um, but the the kid who's really good and yeah. doesn't I don't know. I think that there's probably different kinds of kids under that umbrella, right? That there might be Maybe there's a kid who like really doesn't think your sport's fun, and, right? Like they really don't want to do it, and I, that's fine. Like my parents made me do this. Yeah, yeah. Right. I want to stay in shape. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes the kids that are really good at your sport are really good at like seven other sports, <laughs> right? right? And they point. like the other seven sports better. Yeah. And that's what they'd rather do. And like you, I think you just kind of have to respect that. I think I don't know how to get a kid to choose your sport, but I know how to get them to not choose your sport which is to push super hard that they choose your sport, right? Wow. Then they do it. Yeah. Um, I think if you have kids that are, just because like, if you are sincerely invested in the kid and their progress or what have you, and you want them to be happy, then I don't know, that's what I tell them, right? Like, I want you to do the thing that you enjoy. And if you right. want to do both of these things, we'll try to figure out a way to make it work, but you're going to be the best at the sport that you like find life-giving and enjoyable. So let's do that one, right? Yeah, I love that. And if it's not mine, go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but I also think there's a different demographic of super talented kids that pretend like they don't care, right? Because I think so often you look at a super talented kid and you're like, man, it would be great to be them, right? Being talented is actually really hard. And there's typically people asking a lot of you sometimes before you're ready. Like, I think this is particularly prevalent in girls sports because girls cross country, for instance, freshmen contribute at a higher rate than maybe they would in other sports, certainly in boys' sports, right? So it's yeah. really common for a freshman to be on the varsity, right? Right. And counted on to score points or to be a successful runner in whatever capacity you need them to be. So some of these kids started running like five months ago, right? right? But they're immediately in this pressure cooker of these six seniors on my team need me to do well so that they can, you know, go to the state meet or whatever, right? That's a lot to put on a kid. And I think... At 14 or 15 years for old. For sure. Even yeah. at 18, that's a lot to put on no a kid. No kidding. And so right. I think sometimes the reaction... I think kids are generally pretty perceptive. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of them who are talented, either they've seen that happen in other areas, like one of the other nine sports they're really good at, or they can just, like, smell it coming a little bit. Yep. They're like, I'm not doing this. Like, forget it. And so... You know, this is this is getting a little bit repetitive, but I feel like your priority dealing with those kids has to be like you're when you're in those moments, your relationship with us and with your teammates is not at stake, right? Like you're just trying to do well. That's plenty, right? That's enough for you to manage. And that feels like something that bears that's worth repeating, um, because yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's so important because right. it, well, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in team sports is when kids motivate each other kids cheer for each other kids fire up for each other you know um and and i can imagine as a coach that's got to be a, a pretty gratifying dynamic and i can imagine that not every coach fosters that i'll bet you do i try to i think it's really difficult mm -hmm. um and uh, it, this is something that i i worry about all the time which is that it feels to me like if let's assume we are successfully able to impart that message at practice, which I'm not 100% confident of, like right. we're trying. Yeah. Um, I do, the message that they get the other 22 hours a day, I don't think aligns with that, right? Like everything that they're inundated with on social media. I think in certainly people have had other teachers or coaches or influences in their life where 
they're getting the reverse message, which is you're important to us as long as you're having success and staying in line and doing all these things. Right, right. right. Wow, yeah. I mean, it, it, in that way, with social media and all the other pressures and stresses on kids, you, you're, you're a pretty young guy, so you were running high school not that long ago, yeah. but social media was nowhere near what it no, is now. No. How, did you feel like it makes a big difference in, in, in sport? Yeah, I do. And I'm probably, in a, in a million different ways, it makes a big difference, right? But you're, the the language I've heard used is kids creating like these highlight reels uh-huh. of what's happening, right? And so that they're, you're, as a, as a kid who is, you know, naturally adolescents are sort of in this precarious, like identity exploring place of insecurity right. all the time, right? Like that's sort of their default setting. Right. That's the that's the task, right? Yeah. That, that's the psychological right. task of adolescence. Like right? I told my, I don't totally understand who I am or what I'm about or right. what's important to me, and then they're getting inundated with these messages that are seeming like everybody else has it figured out and as is better than them yes. at it. Right. So um, I think that's you know no one's posting a picture on Instagram of the race where they like tried really hard but got 90th you right know? like that's not the one in the <laughs> highlight reel you know like, right 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 that, that's not hitting Snapchat that's right. not going on Instagram you right. can't post a picture of process right, right? like <sighs> so that's it, I think that totally inhibits um, our, the ability to focus on process and also is this huge um, like gasoline on the fire of this other problem that we're talking about. Wow, you know? that is such so brilliantly put and um, kind, of, kind of a struggle for everybody who is a player, uh, an adult player in kids' lives, right? Yeah. Is you can't post a picture of process and yet our kids are always in process, right? So it can't right. only be the wins. Otherwise, what I find kids do is they they manufacture false wins, you know? Um, what is, tell me what that means. Um, so I, I work with a girl, for example, and yeah. this is... This is uh, it uses the win in a very different way. Yeah. But she tells me that she will spend the better part of an hour yeah. taking selfies from different angles, um, different makeup, <laughs> in order to get the right look for an Instagram shot. Whoa. You know? And she's not kidding. And and, and then on top of taking the picture, she'll doctor the picture. So, you know, she'll Photoshop it, you know? And so she'll manufacture a win. Like, you know, yeah. aren't I beautiful? Look at me. Aren't I thin? You know, because she'll make right. herself thin. You know, she knows exhausting. she can make a Cosmo cover of herself. Man. Yes. I, I think it's exhausting and it's dispiriting because she's well aware. Yeah. That's not a win, right? right. This isn't real. Right. You know, and, and but I think kids do this all the time. They get to a party and they squeeze everybody into a shot. Oh, I'm going to put this picture up because, look, I'm popular. Right. But, you know, I'm usually alone. And, you know, like, you know, yeah, so, so yeah. it's... um. Yeah, I think social media is creating a slippery slope, and and I'm so stuck now on your idea that you cannot take a picture of process, and yet kids are always in process, and so the their their little wins, right. you can't really document them and celebrate them right. in the ways that kids communicate. Yeah, you know, and that's that's troubling, right? That's a problem we probably ought to be thinking about. Sure, and yeah. I think I mean I worry that we're doing things without knowing that exacerbate it all the time, like well-intentioned things that are making it worse. So the I had mentioned earlier that we post these results on the wall. Yeah, like, this is who improved, right? I I kind of have mixed feelings about that, right? Because there are some things that kids do that are really successful that don't show up there, and that they're also um, this is you you probably understand what I mean here. 
I'm always impressed by kids' ability to ignore context. Like, it's amazing that how good they are at that. They'll be like, wow, man, I ran 30 seconds slower than last year. I don't know what happened. Like, well, you lost your shoe. That's what happened, right? right? Like, what do you, <laughs> right, what do you right. mean you don't know what happened, right? Or like, there was a monsoon and a tree fell down in the course. So, like, I don't know why I ran slower, right? Like, the, the ability to evaluate that, and I'm sure this is related to like the bottom line, regardless of whether or not I lost my shoe, is I didn't get this outcome win that right. I can share, right? right? Um, but sometimes, like, we're trying to do this small wins acknowledge thing, mm-hmm. but we're still doing it in an outcome format. Like, race results is still an outcome thing. Right, right, um, right. Which is why I think it's – I don't think you can get rid of that because I think the kids will flip and they need to see that to a degree. Absolutely. But and and this is the, and they're And they're forever – numerically being evaluated right there's an act score an sat score there's a gpa there's you know like this is this is our context today right but um no to your point right i mean um kids do have and maybe all of us have this keen ability to ignore context Um, (laughs) and sometimes it's not as broad as you know we had a monsoon sometimes it's like you know well there have been issues at home for you, or right. you know, you had mono yeah. last semester, right. or you know, like it's never just one thing, right? You know? It's never just it's never one just thing. One There's thing. a composite, right? You yep. broke up with your boyfriend, and right. you're not feeling great this week, and totally. you know, like you ran great two weeks ago, you know. Um, so this is I, I kind of had a question for you about this too. That, yeah. Uh, I try one of the things is sort of as a as an attempt to bring the focus back to process over and over again, right? When when they set goals for races, right? There we ask them to exclusively set a process goal. So it has to be something like, for instance, if a kid's racing a mile, like I want to take a little bit more of a chance and push from further out on the third lap would be like one example. Got it. Yep. Or uh, I want to be a little bit more patient the first thousand meters of a cross country race, whatever. Just something like in that ballpark. Got it. Right. Um, Not just tied to that last number. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things we tried to address is (laughs) I did this thing with them where I showed them my outcome goals from high school. Like when I was a high school kid, these are the things I want to do. And I explained to them how I arrived at those numbers, which was like completely arbitrary, right? Like, I don't know. The, this sounds cool. Like, it'd be fun to run this time, right? <laughs> that guy's pretty good. I don't know if I can do that, but, like, maybe I'll add a second. Like, it's it <laughs> right, was just right, ridiculous. Right. Like, it was completely baseless. Or they'll do things like uh, they want to run a particular time because it will place them in, like, a particular ranking in their event. Yep. And, uh, like, what does this have to do with you? Nothing. Mm-hmm. One, to say nothing of the fact that this is not useful in helping you run faster. Like, me thinking I want to be, you know, top 10 in the conference while I'm running this race, does not help me run the race faster. Right. Whereas a process goal would. Right. Right. So that's kind of how I sell it. But what became obvious pretty quickly, they all still have outcome goals. They just don't tell me about them. Right. Like that's what's happening. Is <laughs> right. they they all have these like I want to run this time and I want to get this place. Right. And it's very much in their head. And I would if I had to guess, certainly I think they understand the value of the process goals, but I think those are still secondary when it comes to their evaluation of were they successful. Like I think the outcome goal is still in the front. You know, I think you, I, I would imagine you're 100% right about that. And, you know, um, I think the problem is broad. I think it's cultural. Yeah. Um, I, I think we have over, I don't know, the past generation at the very least yeah. become so outcome-oriented. Right. And we press this on our children, right? So sure. um, if, if the kid down the street is getting straight A's or is volunteering at a certain place or is running at a certain rate, right? Then we're, we feel this press. And this is part of our parental 
needs, you know, judgment, ego, fear. Um, and so yeah. we press this stuff on our children. And so our kids don't know different than to be outcome oriented. So as a coach, it's got to be hard to be the one voice in their mind saying, hey, you know what? Let's not worry about that that outcome, even though that's the number that's going to show up on the board if you break a record. You know, that's the number that, that that's the final number that's going to rank you, you know, amongst your peers, amongst your, you know, uh, across different schools. Uh, it, I think it's really hard when you're a teenager or an adult to say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to work on process and I'm going to really tie understand work to understand how process creates the outcomes that I want and and create meaningful outcomes instead of arbitrary outcomes that mean nothing to anybody you know in the end you know um, and and really find like what what's important to me here you know and that's maybe the biggest question that that rarely gets asked and I think coaches play such an important role because because you you get to be that voice sometimes to say to to get kids thinking about like what's important to you here you know like what's important about being part of this team you know there's right. this pause I think you know that that coaches are allowed to get kids to take to think about like their lives in a little different context than the ordinary yeah yeah, yeah um, but it's tricky you know um, how many how many girls do you coach at one time. Um, well, it's, this is kind of a skewed number. So the, the cross country team where I coach has usually about 200 people on it, Okay. but there are sort of small groups within those 200. So we have there, the assistants that coach with me are, are awesome and super helpful. And, uh, there's absolutely no way that we would be able to function. And most of like the fun, cool things that the kids really like is usually the assistants remembering like stuff that I have forgotten or put too far down the priority list. Right. Like the, I never remember to buy chocolate milk after long runs, right? But, like, this is a critical cog in the week for them, and all things go south if we don't have chocolate milk, and they always remember that stuff. The little um, things, man. Right, but yeah. I think and assistants are important everywhere, but they're they're extra important with our team because there's so many kids. So, basically, yeah. you have these sort of four training groups that are differentiated by um, ability and then athlete background. So like how fast you run and sort of what your training history is coming into the team. Yeah. And then each one of those coaches, like I'll write a general training plan. So like, this is what everybody's doing in each day, but any coach will tell you that changes on the spot constantly, right? Depending on how a kid looks or, you know, they, all these taps that are pouring into the bathtub, right? right. They had a test that they were up late studying for. They had a fight with their girlfriend. They forgot their lunch at home. Right. You know, like what, whatever factor is on the table, um, so they're making these adjustments all the time. So I coach sort of this macro team of 20 people, but then I also have this smaller group of like, it's probably, the number's probably like 30 or 40. Okay. And it's often smaller than that, right? Cause those are just, there's these, um, very clear dividing points, like where there's just a gap in performance and that's right. kind of where we separate groups. So it's not like the top 50 go here and the next 50 go here. Got it. It's sort of performance based. So. I have the luxury. So this this is something where I have awe for your work, for, mm-hmm. for you being a coach and a teacher. I have the luxury of sitting across from a kid, and it's a one-on-one thing. So I yeah. can show them positive regard. I can make their story the most important thing that's happening in this hour, yeah. right? Um, you've got dozens of kids at a minimum yeah. um, that, that you've got to make feel if not special, at least attended to, right? Important enough that you know who they are, you know a little bit about their story. Um, 
that they're relevant. They're relevant to this team somehow. Yeah. How do you, how, do, how does a guy do that? You know, like I'm thinking like I, I keep files on kids that I dig out, you know, and then right. I'm working one at a time, yeah. you know, um, with dozens of kids in, in a couple of hours. Yeah. How do you make each one feel like they count? Um, I mean, the short answer is I'm not sure I do. I think it's, I think it's really hard and, uh, it's, it's certainly something that you think about and you try to make happen, but, uh, there are people um, that do really cool things that I'm trying to adopt and, and put in place. I think uh, John Sipple, who's the boys coach at Downers North, does some really cool stuff with this. Um, I, I spend a bunch of time running with him and, and this guy, Noah Lawrence, at Hinsdale Central, and they, I think, are, are really good at like making top-to-bottom kids feel valued. Um, the, I guess for things that I try to do on a consistent basis... Um, I, so we have, everybody checks in by class when you come in. So there's a freshman checking clipboard, a sophomore, a junior, a senior. So I'll start with the freshman and I, I check them in every day until I know all their names. And then I just go to the sophomore clipboard and then the junior clipboard and the senior clipboard so that when, when races are happening, I can cheer for them by name. Got it. That's like a fundamental, like that's step one. If you, if nothing else, you can, you know, their name can do that. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, little things like when this is much easier, um, I think as a teacher in some ways, because you're in the building, so you see kids in the hallway all the time. So I'll just ask them like, you know, how you doing? You excited for the meet? Just generic, just general stuff that I just kind of want to see how they're feeling. Right. What's, what's going on with them? Five seconds of that. Um, when the season has ended and the next season is coming up. So like we just finished track and summer running is coming up or we just finished cross country and track starting soon. Any kid on the team that I see in the hallway, I'm like, Hey, are you signed up? Did you just, just like to n- try to let them know that I'm, interested in their and that you presence. care right that right. you want, want them, them there yeah um and then i think this is where having a bunch of coaches comes into play right that you probably can't so what i do with the specific group that i coach is after practice they have this little stretching circle right and i just walk around the circle and one at a time i ask them like how are you feeling how'd that go is that right they say yeah and um you know i always i i, I can imagine that moments like that make all the difference in a kid's life, you know, literally like, you know, like just, Hey, coach Lyons took a moment with me, you know, seems to care about me. And, you know, with all the confusion and the pressure that is adolescence now, um, I've got to think that's, that's a big deal, you know? Yeah, I, I hope so. I think, um, my first reaction to that is it could go either way. I think it depends on what you do in those seconds that takes place. Right. Um, so I think, and this is probably something that I've been trying to shift in the way I think about coaching. And it's, I mean, we talk about ways that our, our professions align. I think this is one of them, which is that especially, I think, young, enthusiastic coaches who have not done a lot of actual coaching, and this was absolutely me. Like, I spent a ton of time studying, but my actual time interacting with athletes was pretty small when I first started. Right. Your tendency is to see yourself as this dispenser of information. Right, like you know all these things, and like, oh, this kid obviously doesn't know this thing. And if I just tell them, then everything will be great. Right? I'm the Which, expert. Yes, I, right, right. And I have you, the right, wisdom. You are I will... the ignorant peon that I will give this stuff to, and then you will run faster, right? <laughs> and like that never freaking works <laughs> right. ever. Right, so, right, right. Um, I think something that I'm trying to do more of is in those situations, talk a lot less and ask a lot more questions. Right. So instead of being like, how'd you feel today? And the kid's like, well, I'm kind of tired. And then I start like launching into this justification of why it's okay to be tired. And that's the time of year. And here's why it makes sense. to be. Just like, okay, you're tired. Tell me about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right, like, right, right. That has a lot more. I think you're, if we're talking about building a relationship with a kid, like you're placing value on what it is they have to say. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's manipulative or calculated. I think it's true that I get a lot better 
information and a sense of what's happening that will influence my decisions in the coming days. Right. If I just shut up more and listen better. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that is, I mean, our jobs are the same in that regard, right? Um, right. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that there's, there's anything more important in, in a kid's life than, than what you do. Um, I have a deep appreciation for it. Um, I have the luxury of knowing Alex a little bit, and I know how hard he works to find the, the techniques, the ideas, um, the, the motivational tools, um, and the connecting tools to reach kids. So I'm grateful to you for being here, and um, you know, I, I just think every kid who gets to run under you is, is blessed to have you there, seriously, because I know, and I don't know if you get, if you feel that way yet, yeah. but, um, but that's really apparent to me, and, and anybody who takes your English class, you know, um, and, um, and for parents out there, uh, if your child, and I'm curious to hear if you have a comment on this, if your child has any inclination towards something athletic, I would encourage that. I'd pull the parent card on this one. Even if, they, if, if they're on the fence, yeah. I'd pull the parent card and say, you know what, you're going to join a team this year. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, Alex's couch is a better one than mine. Alex's <laughs> Alex's track is a better place than my couch for your kid. I I, I, I think I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Is there any core part of your message that we've missed here today? Um, I, I don't know. I guess probably the the super important the only super important thing that we haven't talked about is the. I guess none of these things that we're talking about. I feel like I have figured out. Like they're things that I'm thinking about a lot and are are totally in flux. And right. One of the most awesome things about coaching, specifically in this area, is that uh, I've anytime I've asked somebody else, like another coach or somebody, most of these people who I had never spoken to in person, just like will send an email to somebody and say, like, "Hey, I think you're doing some cool things. Would you mind to talk to me for a little bit?" They always way exceed your expectations in terms of their generosity and like how much they're willing to share and the uh -huh. time that they give you. It's it's awesome. And so I don't think a single thing that we've talked about today was my idea. Like these are all things that I've pilfered from different places. But uh, I mean, it would it would take a ton of time to list all those people here. But they are like, they've been an enormous influence in my ability to hopefully at some point do this well. Right there. I feel like if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're if you're younger and trying to do like there's a particular career field that you're interested in, usually the people that do it well, like it, and they want to talk about it a lot. And they'll be way more supportive and open with you than you think. And worst case scenario, if they blow you off, you're exactly where you are right now. So like the most- like, <laughs> No loss. Right. So no I loss. think, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm super grateful to all the coaches in this area and just like people who are my friends that have spent a bunch of time helping me out. And th so there's there's two lessons in that. One is that you have to accept yourself that you're in, that you're in process, right? Oh yeah, uh, always. for sure. And, um, and in order to continue that process along, seek out the experts. Think about the people who are good at what you want to be good at, and um, and I think that's true for anybody, including any teenagers or young adults who are listening. You know, um, you're right. People who are good at what they do, they they care about it and they want to talk about it. So, really important lessons, Alex. I cannot thank you enough for being here. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. Yeah, good, good. Um, uh, and um, a lot of wisdom coming from from coach and, and uh, high school English teacher, Alex Lyons. Um, so 
You can find the uh, Undo Anxiety podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and WGN+. If you have any thoughts, uh, questions, comments, ideas, or you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, uh, write me a quick note and uh, send it to me at uh, John G. Duffy at drjohnduffy.com. Um, you can find a free parenting program if you're a parent on my website, drjohnduffy.com. On behalf of uh, my guest Alex and myself, I thank you for your time, and I will talk to you next time. Have a great day.